We're back. Hey, Hello, hey. Chris. How are you doing? Man, I don't know how I'm doing. I have had I've had a busy several weeks. How are you? Yeah, me too. I'm back from vacation, back from Southeast Ruby, so uh yeah, I feel, you know, like I need to recover from vacation and traveling and stuff. <laughs> yep. How was vacation? Uh, it was, it was interesting. We did like that big long road trip and had a bunch of car trouble on the trip and whatever. So it wasn't near as enjoyable as it it has been in previous years, but it was cool to, to do the full trip. We've only done like a portion of it in the past. So there's, there's a lot of Mini Cooper owners out there. I'll tell you that. I don't doubt it. I always wanted a Mini Cooper, but. Hey, I'm selling mine. <laughs> Are you really? Well, I, I have two right now. So, yeah, I'm selling. I bought one last year, and it was the intention to just sell the, the one I previously had. So, uh, yeah, I need to get rid of it. But it's it's just been sitting in my garage for a while now. <laughs> That's funny. I thought you sold that one a while back. No, I got lazy or had other things to do. And it's it was kind of nice to drive it in the winter when everything was crappy and, you know, didn't really care about that car as much. But, sure. yeah. So um, how was Southeast Ruby this year? It seemed like you had, you know, a huge amount of support <laughs> compared to the year before. Yeah. Uh, so this year was... Uh, a lot different than last year. So uh, the notable difference is last year, Shannon and I were on the way to Nashville. Shannon's my wife. And we were talking about all the things we need to do when we get there. And this year we just drove up there and pretty much everything was done before we got there. Um, A lot of that was thanks to the folks at Ramsey solutions who went just, above and beyond but yeah it was a lot of fun we ended up with more people than we did last year which when we talked a couple weeks ago i was kind of nervous about right Um, i remember that yeah because i was like man we saw as many tickets as last year but now we we did good we ended up with about 115 people including speakers that's great and then um we didn't lose money this year which is also really (laughs) beneficial and then yeah so The other difference between uh, this year and last year is that last year we weren't sure we were going to do another one, and this year we're already planning next year. So, Yeah, you've actually announced the dates for it already, right? Yeah, so it's August 1st and 2nd next year. I've already reached out to uh, two people that I'd like to keynote. So I'm trying to, like, really get on my A game. And uh, now that – I know like we did two of these and like people want to come, like how can we grow it? Like mm-hmm. how, how is it, what makes it more valuable for other people to want to join us? So. Yeah. Do you have any ideas on that? Uh, some feedback I got this year was it'd be cool if there were workshops. Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah. So that's something I'm thinking about. Um, I had really kind of mixed reviews on the breaks. So we did those 30 minute breaks. Some people loved them. Some people wish they were shorter. So thinking about how to handle that. 
I could see that. I mean, th- what were they? Thirty minutes or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was like a thirty-minute talk followed by a thirty-minute break. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. it would be great even if they were twenty minutes or something like that. You know. Yeah, that was the same thought I had. And if we did twenty, we could maybe fit in a couple more speakers, which would potentially also add more value to the conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I did appreciate having decent breaks. You know, it's good to be able to stand up and walk around and whatever and not just be stuck in uh, your chair the whole day. Yeah, that that was not an idea of mine. Actually, I got that idea from Terrence uh, Lee and I was like, that's genius. And so that's been, I don't know, I think that's been kind of a valuable thing at the conference. But at the same time, there were there were a couple of times where I felt like it was a little long, especially like towards the end of the conference, like we ended up moving the keynote up almost like 20 minutes and everybody was like, everybody seemed really happy we were doing that. So mm. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, you've been sitting for two days in the conference and moving up the last one, I'm sure, uh, you know, means people can have more freedom to get out of there and, you know, get back in the plane or, you know, back in the car if they're driving home or whatever. So, cause I know a fair bit of people tend to leave like as soon as the keynote's over the last day. Yeah. And some people kind of, they started to kind of, uh, slowly filter out on Friday afternoon. And so, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, I understand that because people want to like get home. Uh, part of the reason that we do it Thursday, Friday is so people that do want to like hang out in Nashville have the weekend, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes next year. Um, yeah. Well, already thinking of that. Could make sense to do, you know, workshops the day before or after or something and have people, you know, stick around a little bit longer, you know, who knows? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, um, I really enjoyed Abdi's keynote at the end. Um, when are you going to be posting the videos online? Hopefully sooner than last year, right? <laughs> well, I have, as long as I do it any time before, like 10 months from now, I'll have beaten last year. <laughs> but um, I got an email, I want to say it was when I woke up this morning, that the hard drive is on its way to me that has all the videos. So pending that I can get that early mid next week, I'm hoping to start just slowly getting those online. So my, my goal is two weeks post conference. And right now we are one week post conference. So I don't know, hopefully no later than two weeks from now, but we'll see. That's, that's plenty fast, you know, like um, within the month or whatever away from when the conference was, that's, that's pretty quick. Cause there's just like, you know, a lot of little things you have to do. I'm sure you have to chop up the videos and probably format them so that you can see the slides and the, uh, you know, speaker and all that. Cause this year we had a much more professional setup than, you know, our camera off to the corner that we were recording with last year. Yeah, it was, it was like leaps and bounds better. Um, there's actually someone like manning that station from Ramsey and the Wednesday before he was, I was meeting with him and he was like, Hey, we can do 4k. And I was like, I don't need that, but I want that. So <laughs> he was See, like, 
Are they in 4K? They are, as far as I know. So, awesome. um, yeah, I will. I will enjoy those on my 4K monitor, but I still still use an old school 1080p TV. <laughs> Me too. I was just at the store yesterday looking at 4K TVs. They're finally down in price. So, yeah, my mother-in-law just got a 4K TV. Uh, I think it was a Vizio because I'm randomly of all brands, a really big Vizio fan. And so like we got the TV set for her house and it was like, do you want to upgrade Netflix? And I didn't even ask her. I was like, yes. So like she's paying for 4k Netflix when she probably doesn't even know <laughs> like what, what the difference is. But yeah, it's, it's cool. It's like you said, it's cheapened out. And yeah, I plan on getting um, one of the 4k Chromecasts when I do that. That'll be nice. I pretty much stream everything over that like 4k YouTube or whatever. So looking forward to having a better TV. I just don't use it that often, you know? Yeah. We use ours less and less. The only only reason it gets used is it's the only TV in the house. Mm -hmm. So like we have, we have no TVs like anywhere else, which like is the opposite of how I was growing up. (laughs) So, Yeah. I've only got the one, but I'll probably keep it and just throw it in another room or something. But yeah, it'll be nice to have, Something newer, something a little nicer, but. So I got, uh, I got back from Southeast Ruby and then gave a talk at a conference this week. I don't know if I told you that. Uh, I remember I saw you tweet about it, but, uh, I meant to ask you about that. So what was the conference? So are you familiar with Solidus? Yes. The spree, uh, fork is it yes yeah so for anybody not familiar uh, spree is a e-commerce platform for rails and so um i don't know how long ago i don't know much about spree and solidus except solidus is a fork of spree um so a while back solidus got forked and then um has continued to just evolve and there's a guy here in town named Sean and he works at a company called tube depot and they're an e-commerce site here based out of Memphis. And he was like, Hey, I'm thinking about putting on this conference. And he knew, I guess I did Southeast Ruby and we talked about it. I was like, you should do it. And yeah, he got, I think there was like 50, 55 people to come to Southeast Solidus, which is pretty amazing because yeah, yeah. It's a pretty kind of niche little, right. uh, you know, it's not only Ruby, it's Rails. It's not only Rails, it's Solidus. So, yeah. But yeah, he asked me to speak at it and I gave a talk on how, like, I'm, th- it's all like a, a thought right now. And I essentially was like, this is just what I'm experimenting with, but that like, if I want to write better code, I need to do certain things. And that's like, slow the heck down, uh, focus. So like I mentioned, like Cal Newport's book, deep work. And I talked about like mindfulness and simplicity, things like that. So I was really happy with the talk, but it was really hard coming home from putting on a conference and then turning around and giving a talk. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Um, what other talks did they have there? That's really interesting that, I mean, that's a pretty good sized group of people to come out for, uh, 
Solidus uh, little conference. Yeah, the other talks were, so the first one was, I think, from one of the lead maintainers of Solidus. Oh, cool. And was talking about, like, things, like, I guess the direction he kind of wants to take it. So, uh, Solidus, Solidus News, you heard it here last, um, they, there's a company called Stembolt, and they essentially were one of the two companies, from what I understand, that forked uh, Spree into Solidus. And then, so they were like a digital agency and really like, a, I guess a lot of the maintainers of Solidus work there. And then this company called Jewel, which is like a vaping company, um, bought Stembolt. And I guess that's because like they, from my understanding, um, Jewel is a Solidus store and like, I guess just really wanted Solidus developers. So why not buy one of the leading companies? So, Mm. yeah. And so the guy who gave the first talk was one of the maintainers and he was a Stimbolt and I guess now Jewel employee. And so that was really fascinating. Some other talks were like SEO um, for e-commerce, which was really good. That was the talk for mine. Um, There were, I think I heard more than one GraphQL talk. Okay. Yeah. Um, which was we did some GraphQL at my last job, but it was interesting because you know it was in an e-commerce um, mindset. I don't know. E-commerce is just really fascinating to me. I I think that it's just become such a norm now, but I forget that like that was a really big shift in the last like ten years from like retail to e-commerce. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I'm rambling, but yeah, it was a fun conference. Uh, shout out to Sean for putting one on in Memphis and getting people from all over the world here. That was cool. Yeah, that is really cool. It's I, I'd like to see a lot more of that kind of stuff happening, you know? Maybe we'll set up uh, a device conference or an Omnia <laughs> conference. <laughs> see how niche we can take it? Yeah. <laughs> how, how far could you take that? Like... Uh, I don't know. It, it sounds like a fog AWS conference. You could, if you did one around file uploads, people have so much trouble with that, that you probably could do a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah. You should talk to, uh, you should talk to Kyle Fox. If you haven't already about, uh, he just did like a big active storage implementation at work. Oh, really? Like, yeah. I, I mean, I can't, the- Tell if he's happy about it or he hates it. Yeah, I had the same experience. I upgraded um, a new app of mine to it, and I'm like transcoding videos and stuff. And then, like after I finished the upgrade, I realized, like, you know, this really kind of sucks. Like, it's still very narrowly focused around images. And, uh, you know, I, I want to create variants that are the MP4 version of the video you uploaded, the, uh, you know, whatever other formats that I need. I want to do that, different resolutions, but there's like no real support for that because variants are like, well, we'll crop your image for you if you want and we'll create a preview 
of a PDF or a video as an image, but we won't do, there's no option for doing like, you know, YouTube makes GIF previews or like, you know, maybe you want to make a 30 second preview of a video or something. It's just images. And so I'm like, I don't know about this yet. It's good for really simple or image focused things, but I'm pretty hesitant on it anymore. It, it's, it also requires you to have a CDN for the most part um, so that your files aren't continuously being requested through um, uh, Rails. So yeah that, yeah, that is kind of one of the things I think that was difficult for us was that like without a CDN in place, it just like hammers your Rails app. Yeah, it's really, I mean, Refile did the same thing um, because the same, and for anybody that's not familiar, it's the same concept for the two of them. They provide a URL in your Rails application that you request and you tell it like what size of image you want. And then it generates it on the fly from the original image and we'll return it back to you so that, uh, you know, your CDN can cache it. And otherwise like that file is going to be, every request is going to have to go through your Rails app. And that's very slow even if it cached it on disk or whatever on S3 or something, if it's still got to go to rails before you get redirected or download the file from S3 and then serve it back up through your rails request, that's slow. So um, it's unfortunate that there's no other options because carrier wave can do that, but you can also do everything else that you would want too in a more standard way uh, if you don't want to go that route. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think it will improve a lot, but it, it, the same kind of thing happened with Active uh, Action Cable when it came out. Like it was a pretty crappy implementation, the first version, and then you had Mike Perham and all the other guys that contributed that um, or to that. You know, rewrote it and got rid of Event Machine and everything, and made it a whole lot better. But it's going to take a while, I think, before it gets significantly more complete i would say yeah it's been i haven't worked on any of it but i did some stuff in like an api which was really fascinating actually but yeah i don't know file uploads are hard programming is hard yeah file uploads are oddly hard like nobody realizes that they're going to be tough and then they're like well you know, if I do direct uploads, what if the person like cancels the form? Then we've like uploaded this file and then it's orphaned. And then what do we do? And it's like, yeah, what do you do? It's a great question. <laughs> and there's like no, you know, consistent answer. But that's why some like Shrine uh, and, and you know, they will have like a cache folder. So if you're on um, AWS, you could have a thing to empty files that are over 30 days old and so if you they were left in this temp folder then they get removed and if you know they were ever orphaned that way it's it's okay um but yeah it can be kind of a mess so maybe i don't I, it just feels like we should have a better solution for all this by now at this point in our lives yeah yeah, <laughs> I have nothing to add to that, but yes. Yeah, so um, 
Yeah, Rails uh, 5.2.1 just came out, I guess, a couple days ago. And it's currently the 10th of August. And it came out like three days ago on August 7th. So that I was kind of, you know, it's the typical first patch version of Rails 5.2 or any new release like that. Just a lot of fixes, no security things that I'm aware of, just little improvements that you may or may not have bitten been bitten by on like edge cases here and there but um looks like it should be pretty seamless to upgrade to so i'm gonna have to do that on a few apps yeah it looks pretty harmless as far as an update or so, what version of rails are you guys running at work uh 2.0 i think 5.2.0 <laughs> i was like dang man that's old no, no <laughs> i haven't i did work on a 2 zero three app for like four years in my career wow okay that was that was an adventure but yeah no we're we're five two oh i think or whatever the yeah the five two something but yeah we'll i'm sure five two one will be knock on wood a seamless upgrade for us yeah hopefully um yeah that got me thinking about old rails apps that i've worked on because I was consulting for uh, so long, like, man, I got to touch a lot of like Rails 2.1 and older apps. Um, those were pretty interesting, but it was, I kind of liked it just to see the history of how like, you know, Rails has evolved because probably since Rails 3, what was the major one? It's like Rails 3, two. I think 3.2 was the big one. Yeah. What's also funny is like sometimes like the major version of Rails, the major version bump is not the one that has the hardest upgrade path. Like when they add the asset pipeline or, you know, do that, it's usually in like 0.1 or 0.2 or something, not in Rails 5 or 6 or whatever. They seem... I think it, I think it actually might have been 2 to 3 though it, was the big one. Are you, are you talking about the MERB merge? Yeah, that I think so. Um, yeah. cause that was around the time like bundler got introduced for the first time too. Right. Um, cause I remember there was config dot application. You had your, your list of gems that you put in there instead or whatever. And instead of a gem file, that was old school. That was, that was much before my time, but yeah, it looks like. Rails, the actual Rails three was that merge. I actually, I actually pulled up the blog post from December twenty third, two thousand eight. Ten years ago, man, that's crazy. Talk, said Rails two three just around the corner. Uh, after that, all eyes are on Rails three, and that's when Merb is going to merge. Ends with Rails three is going to kick ass. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I've forgotten a lot of that stuff already because I haven't used anything or worked on any apps that old for quite some time. And luckily rails has gotten a lot easier to upgrade through over the years, or maybe I've just got better habits of using less gems and things, but I think it's gotten better over the years. It, it definitely feels like it's easier to make the upgrades. Cause I remember rails three, there was people who were like, we may never upgrade that. It just may not ever be possible. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it the, that was also around the time, I mean, I'm speaking ignorantly here, but that's pretty close to like the 1819 Ruby change, wasn't it? 
Or no, that was later. Um, yeah, it was at some point around there because yeah, we you know ended up. You get the new Ruby version, but you still got to write all your code, especially if you're building a library. You got to use all the old syntax and whatever, and you know That's keep true. it compatible. So even though Ruby so, gets new features, you can't use that. That was kind of unfortunate for that transition period. Yeah, it says one nano was released. Uh, 2007. So I guess that was around that time. Hmm. Yeah. I only briefly used some of the older stuff, but we'd inherit a few projects from people and trying to upgrade them or modernize them as best we could, but not usually we didn't have the budgets to like, you know, do a full upgrade to the latest version or something. So we would run rails LTS or something. And uh, I remember Ruby enterprise edition was a big deal back in the day too. So, <laughs> yeah the the Rails app that I worked on that was two hundred three was Enterprise Edition one eight seven. So it was like even though I wasn't around that time, I still got to live that time. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Because yeah, I joined when it was two three, I think, and then it was upgrading to Rails three pretty shortly after. So I, I was like, you know, not very early um, when I ended up getting into rails this is probably 2010 sometime when i first started doing rails and i had done python and django and stuff before that um for the most part so kind of got into it you know semi-early now compared to uh, it's been that's been you know 10 years almost so speaking of uh rails updates Hanami, I don't know if you've ever used it, but Hanami is also a Ruby web framework. It is 1.3 beta 1 now, and that doesn't sound super exciting, except it is exciting because I think that I'm really excited for 2.0 for Hanami because they are like working pretty exclusively with like ROM RB, which is the data persistence library, and then like dry RB team to like uh, hand in hand Hanami two a little more. So I'm actually really excited to see what they do there. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't really used it. I have built a demo app uh, to run on Hatchbox and that was about as far as they made it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So w- have you built anything with it? So I gave a couple of talks on it and then had just built like non-production apps. Um, I started trying to build an API with it actually this week. Uh, it's a lot, it's, it's very similar and completely different at the same time from like doing rails because like it is MVC um, and it's written in Ruby on top of rack and those kind of feel like the only two things it has in common. Um, and so like it, it's like when they talk about like stretching that mental muscle, I guess that's what I felt like I've been doing this week, trying to build an API with it. Yeah, Like I think yeah. I really like a lot of the approaches it takes. It's just, it takes a little bit of getting used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's good. Like the, when you feel that sort of, frustration feeling or whatever like that's that's a sign that you're like pushing boundaries which is good 
Yeah, so it's been fun. That I've been doing a one-two app because that's what is like stable right now. But yeah, it's been fun. I don't, you know, I don't know how far I'll go with it. I'd like to go. I'd like to like finally put something in the world that's built with it, just to have that experience. But mm-hmm. that's I feel the same way about. I want to build something with um, Crystal Lang and hopefully, you know, use like, uh, I want to use, it seems like it has a lot of work going on the Amber framework, which is their sort of Rails equivalent in Crystal. I think it'd be really interesting to play with that language some more and have the speed of a compiled language, but also retain sort of the niceties of Ruby. Um, you know, Golang and everything else is really awesome as well. But if you're doing a lot of Ruby work and you need some speed, it seems like adding Crystal to sort of your daily workflow could be an easy enough transition to jump back and forth between. But if you jump, like, I think a lot of people these days uh, slow get slowed down a lot by jumping between Ruby and JavaScript um, because you're a fair bit different. And I feel like, uh, you know, if you're doing Ruby and crystal, they would be similar enough that, uh, at least in some cases, aside from typing and all the other, uh, compiled language features that you have to use, but I'm curious to see how it goes, but I don't know that that language is, uh, it's not version 1.0 yet and maybe not for a while. Yeah, I've been really intrigued by Crystal. Uh, something you said just now that really like, I was like nodding to you, but you couldn't see, was <laughs> that like, it is like, it's not impossible uh, by any means, but it is kind of difficult to like switch context between like JavaScript and Ruby, especially if you do it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like I, I've been still like slowly tinkering around with like an app and so like part of the reason I was building this Hanami API or like testing out Hanami to do it was that um I don't know, I I wanted to try something different than Rails. But even like when I do Rails API with it, because that was like the first iteration of it, uh it was difficult to the point where like I've even thought about which is like I feel like blasphemous, but I've even been like experimenting with doing like a Node API just so I could stay in JavaScript because I'm building the app in JavaScript. Yeah, and I, that's totally valid, right? Like it's really hard mental work to switch between those contexts, and so if you can spend more time thinking in the same language, it's like if you're, you know, speaking a different language and you're constantly trying to translate in your head. Um, it it's going to slow you down a lot. So it makes sense. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things that you may try it and it may work out really well and whatever. Um, I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of like, I'm not really too, I, I, I enjoy Ruby the most, but at the same time, like that's a totally valid reason why you might want to just go JavaScript all the way. You know, and I, I have no no qualms against that or whatever. The the thing is, like, I'm just so comfortable in Ruby that, like, that's the other thing is, like, I don't know that it really, like, these aren't, like, end-of-the-world problems. But, like, 
I don't know that the mental switch between like Ruby and JavaScript costs more than not being familiar with building stuff in like Node, right? So for time, yeah. But I I also think that over time, you give it a couple weeks, you'll probably get up to speed on. Well, it's like learning Vim, you know. It's the okay. Well, I don't know how to edit a file anymore because I'm using Vim and I've never used it before. And then you like have to learn how to translate. Well, if I want to insert a character, I have to switch modes and you end up sort of figuring out how to translate and then it becomes more natural over time. But yeah, you will have to put up with that for a while. But I think the reason you may want to go that approach is because if you're going to ship this product, you're going to be working on it for a long time. And so if everything's in a consistent sort of uh, language or the way it's written or style, any of that stuff could probably help you maintain it for the long term a little bit better, I would assume. But I don't know. Yeah, it's like it, it's a it's an interesting problem. Like, I don't think there's a right or wrong like I, I could do it in Ruby and be just fine. Right. Maybe it's just, maybe it's too, it's my curiosity. Like I've never really built anything in node. Mm-hmm. So like maybe that, maybe I'm just like scratching that itch, but yeah, maybe I should, I don't know, maybe I'll pursue it. Just if nothing to remember what I love about Ruby more. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's really good for you to get perspective in, uh, these other approaches, because a lot of the stuff that you would write in JavaScript aren't going to be really similar to Ruby because you're everything's asynchronous there. So it's a lot different um, in that sense. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of uh, things that you might think of differently that you might be able to go back and apply to your Ruby code or whatever. I know that when I came from Python, um, I did some Python stuff after I'd been using Ruby for so long. And like I went back and re- rewrote some Python things and it was just way cleaner Python code than I had ever written when I was doing Python, you know, as my primary focus. And that just came from like Ruby's pretty good about encouraging you know, short methods. Um, and that sort of thing wasn't really that common in Python, not as not as common at least because there was just so much of this code that I saw that was like, you know, a hundred lines and it's a little bit easier in Python because everything's like forced to be tabbed over correctly. So you can always trust that as long as you're inside of this, um, you know, amount of tabs, then you're in that section. But because of the the difference in, in languages, you end up kind of picking up different habits. And I felt like my Python code ended up cleaner because of all the stuff I learned in, in Ruby. Hmm. Yeah. I like the other thing is I need to like hone in some, like my mind's in like a million places too. Cause like I was reading through Elixir that uh, programming Elixir book and like, I was really excited about that. And then I got excited about this app and I was like, well, this would be a good excuse for Elixir. And then I was like, no, I'll just do it in Ruby. And then recently I'm like, well, I know JavaScript and I always want to mess with Node, So <laughs> I just need to choose one and just do it. Wasn't there a talk at Southeast Ruby that was talking about pattern matching in Ruby? Was there? 
Was it? I, yeah, there was. Or I talked to somebody about it. I think it was a talk. Um, I can't remember now. We'll have to look that one up, and if we find it, uh, talk about that. Because yeah, there's there's been a few people that have proposed that um, to be added to Ruby, and I think that could be interesting. I think that's one of the cool features of Elixir, and and that came from languages that are similar like that. Like I know Haskell um, does the same sort of thing. Functional languages tend to have that sort of uh, pattern matching thing. Um, what was your, uh, what was your favorite talk at the conference? Oh, probably Avdi's. It was really good. I like his, it was really good. I liked his just, I mean, it was really personal and um, I really like the, the like history stuff that he got into. That was, that was my favorite for sure. How about you? Mm, I didn't really get to like give all of them a fair like chance because I'm so busy. <laughs> Uh, I really enjoyed Nick's talk on the Eiffel Tower. There was like, there was a moment in there. I was talking to him about it after where like, uh, he, he transitioned from like the story to the application and like, Mm -hmm. it was just like a hook for me. And I was like, dang, that was good. (laughs) Um, yeah that was a really good one i forgot about that one but i really enjoyed that one too um i don't know the those were both good um i felt like the opening keynote was like very uh very relevant to like stuff you and i've talked about before like yeah what was the topic on that one i forgot the essentially like people are like people do leave the ruby community and that is essentially like our responsibility to like pick up and be the future. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which brings me to uh, one topic I wanted to mention, which was I've, I've watched the Laravel community a lot lately in the past year or something and been really impressed by them. They, they have a very entrepreneurial focus that rails and Ruby doesn't seem to have. Um, but we could, and you've got people like Mike Perham who make a great living selling, you know, a thousand dollar or two thousand um, dollar license for the year. And I think that you see the WordPress community and stuff doing that. And it, they provide the community provides a way for people to start their own businesses around the community. And Laravel seems to be doing that. Um, and Rails has never really done that. Um, and I, I think that's something we should work towards and create better quality um, libraries and things. You know, like we we depend upon Devise and uh, Omnioth and all these other gems, but we never pay them for that. And therefore, they can only ever offer a limited quality uh, to, to whatever benefits them as much as they can do open source, you know. So that... I, that talk was really good because it got me thinking about that some more too and trying to figure out how we can, you know, build, build something that's more beneficial to everybody or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Uh, you and I have talked a ton about that. That is, that is a community that I look at and am like so jealous of. <laughs> um, yeah. Like it's, 
I don't know. The it is interesting though that we like we're entrepreneurial. Gosh, I butchered that word in the sense that um like we have rails to to build products that make money. Um right, but not paid rails tools as much right you know not yeah we're, it's like we're less inward focused when it comes to yeah it's like rails was used to build startups but there's not a lot of little businesses that have been created to make rails better itself and that's what i was that's i think you see the WooCommerces and other things for wordpress and you see you know taylor's killing it with Laravel Forge and Envoyer and this they recently for anybody that's not familiar Laravel Nova just got announced at their Laracon and it's like active admin or administrate but basically done amazingly well better than you know any of these open source ones have been done and it's it costs I think $99 per site I don't know if that's a yearly thing or whatever but um in a heartbeat, I would pay a hundred bucks for that for any project I was going to take seriously. And that's something that like administrate doesn't deliver that level of quality of things. It gets close, but if he was going to make, if they were going to make money on it, then it would be easily able to get that level of quality. Um, and it just goes around like they have Laravel spark, which is a, application template that comes with teams and payments and API um, just stuff out of the box that you can get started with for a reasonable price. And you can, you can like use that to build your app and skip all the basic stuff that you shouldn't have to like, for example, how many times do you hear people like what, what authentication thing should I use? Should I use device? People don't like device. So maybe I shouldn't use that. And it's like, we don't need to answer these questions every single time that you start a new app. Like we should just have one that people know really well, can answer all your questions. We have tutorials on how to do all the different standard things. Um, and then, you know, focus on that. And then we, we can move up the stack or add better abstractions so that we're not wasting as much time on those questions. Um, and I think that's probably where the next application framework or whatever comes from. It will have a lot more of those things just standardized. And it seems like Laravel is doing a good job of rolling in that stuff officially into the, the core development. Yeah, no, I totally agree. <laughs> so yeah we need to we need to come up with some ideas and some plans to get some of that stuff rolling in rails i think it would be really really valuable and maybe is what revives the community again or something yeah uh man we're already at 43 minutes and i have so many thoughts on this <laughs> maybe maybe this is uh, a conversation saved best to continue next time yeah probably is we could talk about that easily for a whole episode yeah i'm gonna i say let's do that i say we we say our goodbyes here and we pick up next week with that and then it gives anyone listening to this an incentive to want to listen again (laughs) yeah 
Yeah. Where can they find us? Uh, I forgot. We haven't done this in so long. Pretty much. <laughs> what <laughs> iTunes? Yep. Google Play. <laughs> uh, I got us added to Spotify thanks to Transistor FM, which this is hosted on. Fantastic. Which just uh, officially released. Shout out Transistor FM. Um, they can find us podcast.remoteruby.net. Uh, and then there's some other place. Oh, I got us, I think, in the Overcast Oh, sweet. App. I love Overcast. So but yeah, so Chris, it's, even though I got to see you last week, I feel like it's been so long since we've done this, so this feels good. Well, it has been. It's been at least three weeks because we were going to record at the conference and then we were just kind of tired and busy and didn't happen. Yeah, yeah and that party ran late. Yeah, so. right. So, we are back. We'll be back again next week. Regular programming, so. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, and Chris, I will chat with you later. Sounds good. See ya.